No, I was dumber than that. Something like Rex. Kachunum Tex! Tex! Only if that story was true. <laughs> Did you do a fade out on that? No. It, it got. I felt like it went quieter. The screens went quieter as we finished off that. No, challenge. it was my fancy techniques of uh, fading out. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. I want to give credit for that. That was good. Oh, thanks, man. Because it's actually done by Mouse One and not even like a joystick or anything. So there's no, uh, what, what do you call it? Adulation? Modulation? Ooh. I don't know what you call it. Actuation? <laughs> <laughs> so you would have wished that it ended up like that like well um, i mean maybe in real life? i don't know it's, it's a weird thing you know because like the manson family a pretty evil family <laughs> and do you know much about them because i admittedly don't. i know i i know a little bit about them. my enjoyment of this film i full disclosure. Oh, okay. <laughs> i know a little anyway, bit about sorry. them but i i know a little bit about them from a manson family that i a manson family a manson family film that i saw a long time ago on vhs back when we used to go to the video store on friday nights those exciting do you think times. they're proud of, of of maryland's success or do you think maryland who are you talking about manson maryland manson you're talking about the wrong yeah. person man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was trying, I thought you were playing well with me Oh, I actually genuinely thought you didn't even know. <laughs> uh, he's a creepy dude. I feel like, you know, they're proud of him. He's like the successful one. I feel like Marilyn Manson's a, a particular unique artistic type of creepy, whereas the Manson family are creepy. And if there's one thing that really works on this film, is the portrayal of the Manson family scenes. For sure. For sure. Oh, see, I, I don't know if I agree. I mean, like, I think they are the best parts of the film. But I think too much is left unexplained. Like, I, I don't know the premise of their creepy, except for yeah. the fact that they're kind of creepy. I'd probably agree with that, for sure. Because I, uh, I think it, this film, like, if I want to say anything about it, is that it relies... You know, I was kind of afraid of this, getting into this movie. It relies on you knowing a little bit more about the context than, like, a standard 30-ish-year-old person is kind oh, of my yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. But nonetheless, we should probably get into it. Let's uh, roll the intro. If the intro doesn't freeze. <laughs> Just love it. How you doing, man? 
You're doing pretty good. Yeah, good. I mean, I saw I, your I, um, I saw your pictures, your stories, your Instagram stories, videos on uh, the shenanigans, not shenanigans, but uh, the shindig that you guys had after the. Yeah, man, you should game. have been there. Fucking uh, Christmas party. I didn't get an invite. I felt so left out. Bro, you're in the you're in the chat. <laughs> I need a personal invite, chat, man. We're in a different relationship, man. Come on. <laughs> well, I thought the personal relationship, like this relationship, would mean that you. Uh, you feel more comfortable accepting group invites. <laughs> I said anyone who's not playing can still come don't, eat. Don't and play that game with me. I know what you're doing. To be fair, though, it was it was effort. I took up at four o'clock to make that pork. It was ultimately like it was good, but I would say it was not worth it. The, I think the first picture looks super dry. It was dry, right? <laughs> no, no, it was actually real juicy, which was good. Which one was the one yeah. I saw that was like super dry? And I think you even mentioned in the story. Like, oh, it got oh, really this... crispy. Yeah, yeah, it got really burnt. So the way that we did, I did it was like, um, did low and slow for the pork belly for like five, six hours. It took way longer than I thought it was going to take. I thought it was going to take three. And then <laughs> we tried to get the crisp. So you have to get the crispiness on like a really hot oven, like 260. But we only had a pizza oven, which goes up to like 500. And so I was like trying to get a crispy skin in a pizza oven, and it was just burning straight away. So we ended up like. What do you expect? That? When I saw you put that on the pizza oven, I was like, "Have you seen like I'm a sure. Peter Luger steak? Sure like, have you seen a Peter Luger steak?" I don't know what language you're talking about. So, so in in New York, there's this really famous uh, steak house called peter luger like they're, they're pretty famous i think people don't like them anymore but they make their steaks from like putting them in broilers like under open flames and so i was mm. thinking it could work for this ultimately it did kind of work so what we did was we just like, sort of protected it with foil in the areas that were burning and then like cooking the rest of it and then scraped mm. off all the black bits and it turned out okay in theory anything should work right like it's it's just fire and yeah, yeah. just fire, fire and putting things near fire that's right. But it was too right. much fire, damn it. It's too much fire. The question yeah. is, is this movie the last or the latest of the Quentin Tarantino films? Fire. Is it fire? Oh, yeah. I mean, should we share that? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, we, 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 can, right? we can gradually answer it, you know, without yeah, very well, elaborate review and recap. Um, we are reviewing and recapping the last and latest film of Quentin Tarantino, part of the Legacy series. If you haven't already listened to our other reviews and recaps on Tarantino films, check them out. I won't name every single episode on here because there's not eight others. I can't remember all of them. It starts at Reservoir Dogs and ends at it's, Django. It starts no, at Reservoir. Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, yeah, exactly. Starts everything in between. Reservoir, yeah, and ends at Hateful Eight. And there's a few other movies sprinkled in between. Um, but this is the ninth and second to last film for Tarantino. Um, is this the uh, quickest legacy series you've done? Because I, I felt like the Nolan one hung around for a long time. It waited around for a long time because Nathan didn't come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I waited this whole time for him when he did his old move over to London, and he basically just uh, he he smoke bombed. Smoke bombed out of the country. That makes sense. He smoke bombed out of the country and out of the podcast. It's the only way to get away from you, man. You got to leave the country. Got to leave the country. Exactly. Um, nah, he, he'll make another appearance one day. Yeah. Nice. But um, yeah, let, let me just talk uh, about the plot of this film first, eh? 
Want to do that? Plot first. All right, nice. Plot first. Um, Actor Rick Dalton gained fame and fortune by starring in a 1950s television series, Western, but is now struggling to find meaningful work in a Hollywood that he doesn't recognize anymore. He spends most of his time drinking and pawling around with Cliff Booth, his easygoing best friend and longtime stunt double. Rick also happens to live next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, the filmmaking, the filmmaker and budding actress whose futures will be forever altered by members of the Manson family. Um, this movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emile Hirsch, Margaret Qualley, Timothy Oliphant, and many, many other people that we haven't yeah, named yet. You got a, a Zoe Bell appearance, which I'm now... I think she has. Like, <laughs> she's, a terrible, she's a terrible actress, isn't she? <laughs> she actually doesn't have a bad job. Like, she gets <laughs> better and better every time. Are you serious? This movie just kind of solidified the, our previous opinion. Really? She's yeah, there for, for sure. Like, two minutes and she's just there as an angry person. I think she's fine. And it's two minutes of poor acting. You really think she's awful? I at think this? it's I'm, terrible. I would say she's much, much worse in uh, Death Proof. Death Bruce is pretty uh, bad. And she's out of place in Hateful Eight. This this here, she was she was a person reading line for line. It's like, hi, I'm an actor reading lines from a movie script. That's Damn. literally what was yeah, I was going on. I was looking at this going like, you know what, this is all right. cringing. I, I can accept this. I can accept this. I was And we got like a Kurt Russell appearance. We didn't get a Samuel L. Jackson, right? There is no Samuel L. Jackson. We didn't get a Samuel L. This is probably the oh. first of um, <laughs> what is it like? Um, out of seven films he was in, yeah, he's in close to seven, them, right? six or seven, yeah. yeah, yeah, nearly all of them. So that's surprising. It is surprising. Um, with a runtime of two hours and thirty nine minutes, this movie had a budget of ninety million dollars. So it's his highest budget film so far. No, no, no uh, Django was a hundred. Oh yeah, okay. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Had so many explosions. I take that back. By the sleeves. We have fact checker over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's past me. With a box office intake of 377.4 million. We're not surprised by that, right? I mean, right now, Quentin Tarantino has a track record of just always doubling, sometimes tripling. His budget. I'm not surprised by the amount of money that he made. I mean, it's kind of weird, right? Like, there are situations where. Uh, I'm just going to come out and just say it, I suppose. Like, we Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there are situations <laughs> where, um, you know, he, he's got these movies that people love and movies that people don't seem to like that much. And I feel like the ones that are loved, like for this one, right? 377 million. I don't think this is better than Hateful Eight. But for some reason, Hateful Eight has like all this negative sort of press around it and made like less money. And so I don't really understand the types of people who would walk out from this and go, man, I recommend this to a friend and walk out of Hateful Eight and be like, don't watch this. And then people just don't watch it. Like, I just, I don't really understand like how that happens. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's just my personal view. And I think like, you're probably getting a sense of my opinions of this film just by that statement. I think so. But well, actually, <laughs> yeah. actually, when I finished watching this, I was like, I think I know exactly how Tony's going to feel about this movie. <laughs> Really? I, I feel like you get more fun uh, trying to predict my opinion of things than you do from watching the actual films. But it's, it's been a bit of a ride with the Tarantino films, I think. We've had 
a great time for majority of the time, right? Had a great time, and the I would say it's the uh, slight majority, like five out of nine, right? <clears throat> well, I think it's net positive for sure. Yeah, net positive for sure. But like, like we've got um, again, spoiler on everybody. This one, uh, Kill Bill one. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Actually, no, it's like three. Three out of three out of nine. Yeah. I mean, we didn't love Jackie Brown, which I think is actually kind of a controversial opinion. It is very controversial because a lot of people love Jackie Brown. I mean, look at the yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score. It's high. This one's lower. This is actually one of the few where... Um, I'll, I'll do this section. Rotten Tomatoes score of critics, 85%. <laughs> audience score of 70. It's one of the few where the audience score is like significantly exactly. the critics. You took the words out of my mouth. That was actually scripted. It was pre-scripted in my mind, but you, you stole it. I want to steal it. Yeah, I want to steal some of your thunder. I'm glad that you stole it, though. By the time... <laughs> it's about time that you start doing some work in this podcast. I know. I never do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so the critic consensus for this is thrillingly unrestrained yet solidly crafted once upon a time in hollywood tempers tarantino's provocative impulses with the clarity of a mature filmmaker's vision mm. <clears throat> i don't even know what that means <laughs> yeah this is a lot of nothing right it's a, like, it's a lot of like hey we know big words and we're gonna sound like we're really smart but when saying nothing really in this <laughs> thrillingly unrestrained so that's like oh there's no rules but solidly crafted so that means there must have been some rules there must have been some his provocative impulses with the clarity of a mature vision so i just feel like they've just said two contrasting statements and expected us to find the middle they said two they said two contradictory things in one line and they just just spoke about observations yeah, it's, it's weird though, right? Like, it, it's like unrestrained, but crafted well, and um, impulses mixed with mature vision. Like, it's just like... Okay, They're a bunch cool. of weirdos, like, man. They are a bunch of things. weirdos, critics. Literally but like, you know what's actually kind of funny? I have a friend who was telling me that this movie was like... Not, not on purpose, maybe, but this was like just a big old critic wank-off. Probably. <sighs> I mean, I could kind of see that, yeah. Well, if you think about it, right, like... Um, oh God, I can't remember the point he was making now. Um, he knows way more about movies than I do. Um, but essentially, he was saying that this movie is like a love letter to 1960s and 1970s Hollywood films. Mm. And guess what all the critics are in the age bracket of? People True. loving this era of films. Mm. So if you just write like two and a half hours of like, you know, loving this stuff, and then you're a guy who actually loves all this stuff, you're going to be thinking, wow, this is a great movie. And hence statements like this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I probably agree with them for the most part. Yeah, um, but the the movie is. Shall we get into how we feel about this movie? Shall I throw it to you first, or would you like me to go first? You go first. Come on, I did the first one last time. I think. Okay. I feel like you have a lot to say as well. <laughs> You're the host. No, I don't have a lot actually. I've been struggling to get my thoughts together on this. Okay. Um, so, uh, I watched this just last night, so it's pretty fresh in my brain. Um, I actually spent the whole weekend watching all these films that I'm going to be reviewing this week and the coming weeks. So in amongst all your horror games, I'm streaming, yeah, horror game streaming and Counter-Strike streaming and amongst all that stuff, 
type of stuff and you know working like crazy designing coffee designing coffee all this kind of stuff it's just crazy life right uh but yeah. a life that i would never ever stop anyway um I watched this last night and amongst all the other films that I've been watching this weekend to review this week. And um, the first maybe 30, could be even 40 minutes, I was quite bored. <laughs> I was yeah. quite bored. And, you know, what? You, we've actually spoken about this before in Tarantino's films. Is like when we're, there are times where we struggle to get a grip of what Tarantino is trying to accomplish in a film. And I feel like this one particularly, I I was trying to figure out what does he want to accomplish in the story? I had no idea. We were yeah. just we were just kind of uh passengers, you know, in a car. Literally, you know, there are some scenes where they're sitting in the car driving together. Very surprising amount of time spent in a car. Yeah. I would I would say it's like more than fifteen minutes of just Sometimes generic driving, no conversation. It's not like Grand Theft Auto where all the coolest lines are in the car. It's mm. just driving. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, it could be for sure. And um, yeah, I, I, I was, I was just bored, not knowing that this story could potentially amount to nothing by the time we get to the end, or there isn't any real driving purpose to the character. Now we don't really get that purpose for, let's say, um, Leo's character i guess leo's character is kind of the main character of this film he's um, got to be the main right sure yeah and the only sense of purpose that i got from him is that he's just a guy that's struggling to be an actor now like he, he says it to uh brad pitt that he can't afford to have him around anymore and that's this the is end though, right is it at the end i thought it was like at the halfway point midpoint no i mean like not at the end then like, like when he comes back from italy he says that Oh yeah, yeah, I guess that's way beyond the halfway point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, I, I could kind of get the sense that he was an actor that was was trying to find a new path or a new future as an actor in Hollywood. But it's, it isn't very clear, like the state of Hollywood and what actors. If he if he is the archetype for famous actors that are going through a struggle, it's not very clear. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I struggled to really follow that. Um, the, if it wasn't for characters like Leo and Brad Pitt, if it wasn't for these particular actors, I think the movie would have been so bad. Because, <laughs> yeah, because right? if anything, Leo and Brad are just good at what they do. They're just very, very skilled, seasoned actors. Um, but what's Brad's character like? Like, just kind. He's just nice. a guy that's there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I feel like he's just. I don't know what his character traits are. He's just yeah. like, there. Well, he's I, no driving. I don't have an issue with, with his Leo. character traits. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have too much of an issue with his character traits. I, I kind of know what those traits are. Like, he's, he's a charming experience. He's been through shit, and he's come out the other, uh, the, the other side. Um, he's been through all the controversy, um, and he's like, he's a macho dude, you know, who's, who's kind of like, he's the kind of guy that you want to, have a beer at the bar with you know and, and he's going to tell these great stories of him like fighting gangs and shit like i don't in, know in if the he's Midwest. that talkative man i really don't think he's that talkative mm. like i he, think he's, he's kind of talkative leo but like oh i'll get into it my second i actually, I, I, I always cut you off when you're doing this thing i should yeah, let no, you run so rude <laughs> oh, terrible. This, I don't, this is why i question why you have me on so often <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and 
Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't help but think that these two famous actors, brilliant, brilliant actors, Brad Pitt and Leo, like, what, what a powerhouse of a combination to put in one film, right? The last time we had that kind of powerhouse combination that I can think of off the top of my head, like two like extremely famous A class actors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I could last film I can think of is probably Interview with the Vampire, but they weren't they probably weren't even really A class actors at the time, like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise being in the same movie together. Like that's crazy. That's crazy like, to have like two I to uber famous. Like, what about like uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's happened a million times. I'm really quite surprised you're saying this. Like like the the Prestige or something. Yeah, but the, those guys are famous actors. But we're talking about A class. Are you talking about, or are you talking about hype? Nah, to, like hype A class Hollywood okay, actors. You know hype. Oh. Yeah, you know, like you, you think about Tom Cruise, you think about Brad, but you think about Leo. You, these are the kind of like the Three Musketeers of <laughs> of Hollywood actors, the most uber like, famous guys. People got super into Heat when it happened, but that was longer. That was a long time ago, so it doesn't count, right? Yeah, that was a long time ago. But anyway, anyway, these guys are just like the most uber famous actors in the world working right now, and they're powerhouse actors. And for them to be in the same film together is an am- amazing accomplishment in and of itself. But then to put them in this script, I was kind of like, "Fuck, that's pretty disappointing." <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, I... <laughs> they could have played way better characters and way better story. It's like, Tarantino, come on, you're going to use these two powerhouse dudes to just be in this type of film? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I was disappointed by it. Like, I wasn't as excited about the whole Leo Brad Pitt thing, but um, yeah. I definitely was disappointed with the script. Yeah, yeah. So, all throughout the film, it is it's it is a bit of a struggle, and the only thing that really caught my attention that that made me a little bit excited was pretty much when the Manson family shows up. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the most exciting takeaway from it. Um, there isn't really any catharsis in the film. Like everything is just like, I feel, if, part of the end. Do you feel any well, that's not really catharsis. Cause they, we're just killing a bunch of randoms. <laughs> All right. Like, yeah, they're random at that point. They're okay. just randoms. Thank like, you. you know, to, to people, to people on the outside, in the outside world, they don't know anything about the Manson family. They're just a bunch of like, Guys who seemingly are kind of evil, but we don't really know much about how evil they are. Like, in a singularity, right? In a singularity, these people aren't really bad. They're just, you know, they, they just show up to try and kill someone, which is a bad thing. Yes, don't get me wrong, it's a That's bad thing. Bad. That's pretty bad. But, like, there isn't development around them being evil at all. It's like we just get introduced to them at a at a lot. <laughs> That's the thing. I feel like you're supposed to know they're bad. Like, he, he yeah. kind of... This isn't really pisses me off about this movie, and like I'm gonna cut in here now a little bit. I'll get, get back to you though. Like I feel like slavery is much, much more like well known as a bad thing, and mm. Nazism well, well known to be a bad thing, and yet he goes out of his way, Tarantino that is, to still show them being evil on screen. So mm. if you didn't know anything about Nazis or you didn't know anything about slavery, you would still think you know Leo DiCaprio's character is a piece of shit. Whereas mm-hmm. I felt like in this movie, Marilyn, oh, not Marilyn, the Manson family are evil, right? But that's not nearly as well known as slavery being evil. And he does way less work to let you, the viewer, become aware of this fact. Oh, anyway, he does way less work. Like he, he doesn't he go no out work. of his way at all to, uh, to give us any exposition on the family, what they've done, what they're about to do, what their intentions are in Hollywood. Because... Every all the bad shit that the Manson family does is after this whole story. 
Right, okay. See, I don't even know that because I don't really follow the Manson family. I, I'm, you don't want uh, to follow them. You, you definitely don't want to follow them. They'll probably have zero followers on Instagram for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think like, like, the, the, like my pop culture knowledge in this area is like pretty low. So like, Yeah. And, I, and yeah. like the, the way I'd summarize this film is that it's really a, a stylistic documentary that doesn't document very well. <laughs> But it has the boredom of a documentary, well in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has like a structure of a documentary, but it doesn't document it very well. It, it kind of just follows like the, it's it's almost like a vlog of these two characters, right? That's the way I describe this movie. It's a vlog of these two characters where there's a lot of meta 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 storytelling happening. You know, there's that meta part of the film is where the Leo is playing a, he's acting as Rick Dalton, who's acting as a character in a film. You know, like, yeah, that's right. you know, right in the middle, like when they're doing that um, scene in the, the barn, cowboy stuff. the cowboy stuff, it's like that <laughs> we're filming him acting as a character who's acting as another character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. And it, it is a little bit exciting because you see Leo kind of traverse between um, almost kind of like a schizophrenic acting behavior where he has to. He has to act as Rick Dalton, who's Rick Dalton's acting as an actor. It, it seems like mental gymnastics for an actor, so it's kind of cool to see his see him flex his muscles there. But yeah, the movie is like ugh, I didn't care for it. But the ending where the Manson family gets completely mutilated is satisfying yeah. because I know what the Manson family what what they were. <laughs> see, I didn't. Okay, yeah, all right. And just just so you know, that's not a true story, the way the Manson family ends up at the end. Yeah, I was aware of that. Like, I felt like this is like part of that trilogy of let's take historical things and, and make it fun. It's the same thing that he did with Inglorious Bastards. With, with yeah, Hitler. Bastards and yeah. also Django, right? Yeah. yeah. But I also found it, like, not as fun as those two. No. Even in the cathartic killing the bad guy ending. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's my takeaway from... Hollywood. Okay, cool. I'm going to jump into my takeaway. I'm going to say uh, nothing, nothing like too crazy compared to what you just said. It's like, it's actually pretty similar. Um, I'll start with I that. hate this movie. <laughs> Honestly, I do not love it. Um, no, no, highlights. Uh, what are my highlights? I did think like Leo's character work was good. Like I, I fell into the, the Rick Dalton character. I fell for the Rick Dalton character. Um, honestly, my favorite parts of the movie was that middle cowboy bit where it's just him acting. And I was actually kind of invested in like this idea of this guy trying to get his career back, but he's actually a good actor, but he's like fallen on hard times because he's like gotten famous and his ego's in the way and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like that was actually an engaging storyline for me and it went nowhere. Um, <laughs> I think like the camera work is cool. Like, I, I, I can sort of see it as like a love letter to a period of time. Like I understand that concept. Um, I just don't have any particular affinity with that time, right? And I'm starting to feel like with a lot of Tarantino films, like you either love the subject matter that he's referencing and then you love the film or you don't and you don't get it. And this yeah. is firmly in the I don't get it category. For sure. Um, actually, I can't think of a lot of things that I love. Let's talk about stuff I hate. Okay. <laughs> One, Rick Dalton's character. Uh, interesting story. Really, really cool watching him like act and like that scene where he actually acts really well. I actually really got into that but he has no arc right like he's just a guy who's struggling and then he has an amazing acting job and then he just continues to struggle and then goes and fades out into obscurity like his arc is nothing um cliff booth 
has kind of no arc. He's a friend to Rick Dalton and just does random jobs for him and then finishes as a guy who just does odd jobs for him and I think potentially gets fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and there are so many characters who are introduced and have no, like, I want to say arc, but also just no personality whatsoever. Like, Jay Sebring. I don't know who that guy is. I think he's a real person. Um, he there's, there's nothing about him. Steve McQueen has this, like, little monologue where he's, like, talking about how hot Sharon Tate is and how he has no chance. And, like, I just, like, who is this guy and what do I care? He never shows up again. He's there for a minute. Sharon Tate, one of the main characters in this film, uh, she shows up. I mean, like, there's a lot of feet in this, right? Like, like there's a lot of feet up. It's so probably like the most feet in a Tarantino film, I reckon. It's a lot of feet, and I don't think I have an issue with the feet, but now that I know that he's into feet, like, it's become more visually aware, but at the same time, it's just, she does nothing, man. Like, she shows up, she dances, she looks attractive, she goes into the movie, she watches herself. Like, what, what is he trying to tell us? Is he trying to tell us that, like, I, I, I got this, like, firmly kind of anti-feminism feeling from this movie. All the women seem to suck, or they're trying to do devious things, or they're trying to, like, um... Like, 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 she's just, like, she's in love with herself watching this movie, and she has no personality otherwise. Um, there's the girl that Brad Pitt picks up. I don't know why he picks her up. Like, he's shown no indication that he's interested in, like, young people. When she propositions him, he says no. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like, his, his character motivations make no sense to me. And then, like, there's this whole premise of, like, this is guy who got away with murdering his wife, Right? And he's having a hard time getting a job because of it. But, like, you don't know if he did or he didn't. And it plays no further part in the story. It just doesn't make sense. Like, that's Mm. the thing I have with this movie. Like, so many things are brought up and we spend time ingesting this information. And then Tarantino just goes on to say, hey, you remember that? Well, it never shows up again. Cool. Like, that's one of the many things I have wrong with this. Um, What else? Yeah, yeah, it just it meanders along. It's boring. I don't know what the first half is really doing, and then the second half, right? He goes to Italy. He comes back. I'm I'm getting into like sort of a recap here. <laughs> he goes to Italy. He comes back. Um, it's like it becomes like documentary style with like a uh, a you know a, a voiceover narrator talking about like the the events of the night. And that actually leads into nothing because nothing happens during those events until it goes back to a more linear storytelling point of view and then the action ha- happens again. So that shift in in flow and style doesn't have any purpose, doesn't lead to anything. It just makes it sound more like this actually happened. But that doesn't help us because the following events don't actually happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, and I'd be mm. remiss if I forgot this thing. The Bruce Lee scene. Now, I don't want to become, like, a, a butt-hurt Asian person. Like, I feel like this is how this is going to come across. Oh. Like, <laughs> I feel like when uh, he makes, like, Hitler to be an idiot, it's because Hitler is, like, universally reviled, so it's okay. You have situations where he'll make fun of, like, um, a, a slave master. Uh, universally reviled, well, not universally anymore because there's, like, a lot of right-wing dudes out there, but generally considered safe. I I feel it kind of odd to, like, 
shit on a guy like Bruce Lee, who I think is more or less universally loved. Like, I, I don't, like, it seems kind of odd to just sort of go out of your way to just slam dunk on this dead guy. That, that was odd to me. Like, yeah. And just make him, like, crappy at fighting with a massive ego and he can't accept losing to random uh, stuntman uh, Brad Pitt. Like, it just seemed like... Okay, I understand you're trying to make me think that Brad Pitt is good at fighting, but Bruce Lee in this movie could have easily been like, oh, you know, you're good at fighting. You know, what are you... What'd you do? He's like, oh, yeah, I've been to the war. He's like, oh, I respect you now. Like, just make him, like, less of a dick. But he's just, like, a egotistical, like very butthurt dick and it just seems weird to dunk on a guy that everyone loves because Tarantino doesn't normally do that like he's not making a movie about Gandhi and just like Gandhi's like <laughs> slamming whores or whatever I don't know I, th- <laughs> I think um, uh, I, I might have heard something along the lines of um, Tarantino is a huge Bruce Lee fan and the reasons the reason why Bruce Lee is portrayed the way he is 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 just just the same as like how he portrays the rest of the film, or, or the the rest of um Hollywood, I should say. He said he takes accounts and stories from what has happened in Hollywood, whether it's exaggerated or not, and he copy pastes it onto the screen. I think that's kind of what he was trying to do, and so his his portrayal of Bruce Lee is more of a reflection of how Hollywood perceived um Bruce Lee as opposed to the world and how the world. Pres- uh, yeah, um, but when you're showing him actually doing that in a film, you're kind of, you know, you're trying to making that reality in a way, right? Like, yeah. if you're going, but like, like, why not have like a big producer raping people? Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think I think his point was that he wanted the audience to see this film through the lens of Hollywood and how Hollywood sees all their actors. And right. I think that's I think that's how the Hollywood perceived uh, Bruce Lee to be this kind of egotistical, um, self righteous uh, person who couldn't really defend himself in re- in a real life situation, which is why that whole scene was written the way it was. I think that's what he was talking about because because I remember his uh, Bruce Lee's daughter came out and yeah. tried to shut him down. Oh, oh, I dropped my mic. <laughs> I find um, I watched uh, uh, an excerpt of a document of a conversation all right so yeah, okay. so back to yeah. what we were talking about before after that bruce technical lee. difficulty yeah um but the whole bruce lee thing i think it was more just uh how Hollywood yeah, pursued like, him. is this really like the stance that he wants to take like i'm going to use this platform that i've made to just out a guy because my very old mates didn't seem to like him like whether or not it's valid or not right it's not really important i mean it's consistent um, if that's what he's going for for the film yeah <laughs> Yeah, but like it's can can you sort of imagine that like there's like a thousand people in Hollywood that were hated, right? At any given mm. one time, like probably Rick Dalton. He's a guy who's getting forced out of the industry, right? Mm. So presumably they don't like him. Yet he's sort of filmed in this sympathetic light. Like you really root for the guy over the course of this film. Yeah, but like but Hollywood that's, was like that's throwing him away. I think that's a different set of rules for him because he's like the main character. So, whereas Bruce yeah, is there's a million uh, Rick Daltons. I guess, like, what I'm trying to say is, and maybe it's because he's Bruce Lee, it's actually worth doing. Because I'm about to like contradict myself here, but I'm like, <laughs> look, I think um, you just don't want Bruce Lee to be perceived that way. I think that's that's exactly what you're no, just trying to it's say. It's not so much like a personal a personal feeling because I'm actually not really that attached to him either way. Like, I don't see him as like the master of, of martial arts or anything like that. 
but he is like, well then, yeah, you know, I'm, <laughs> I accept that opinion as well. Um, I guess like my thought though, is that like, he's a guy who, why would you go out of your way to be like, you know what? The world likes this guy and I can't stand for that. I'm going to expose how Hollywood thought of this guy when there are thousands of people in Hollywood who I'm sure have similar, maybe worse, um, reputations within the, you know, cause like Hollywood's like a, a fickle beast, right? Like people hate everybody. And so it just seems weird to say, I'm going to slam this dude because I think that he's being looked at too positively in this world and I want to do something about it. But then you if, you, know you, just, I mean? if like, you just choose one other person, you're left with the same problem. Unless, you, unless you're willing to... Is, right? Well, <laughs> no. Because I think Ruth Lee is more or less like universally loved. More like Yeah, but again, again, that's, that's people outside of Hollywood, <laughs> not, not people in Hollywood. Yeah, so you could probably easily choose a guy who isn't universally loved by the outside world and probably equally disliked in Hollywood. What I'm trying to say is that, yeah, like, but that, that's just that, that still sounds. Yeah. It still sounds like you just want to defend Bruce Lee, though, even though you said you didn't. <laughs> no, it, I, it's essentially questioning the choice of trying to take down someone who, by, I don't know about like I can't say by Hollywood accounts because I don't know, right? But by non-Hollywood accounts, like people seem to love. Like it was kind of it was a controversial thing for controversy's sake, is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's like it's like a choice made because it was controversial. I think, that, and it that seems was his needless. Point. Sorry, I think that was his point. Yeah, but he doesn't normally make those kind of statements. Like he never does. That's the but he normally I doesn't do. make bad movies like this. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, the bad movies are the the, the, the results of his uh, decisions, right? Like it just seems again weird to make this kind of statement with this kind of film when it's like unnecessary and adds no value like if it added a ton of value that would be cool if bruce lee was behind the manson murders in this movie and he's like the villain <laughs> then like you know yeah go ahead you know you do have to, you do have so to remember your that you're you're heavily criticizing this one scene in amongst like a movie that doesn't really work <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I'm criticizing this scene more. Like, I'm more angry at the other scenes. I just felt like... It, because the rest yeah, of the movie it, just it doesn't doesn't matter either. So, like, this, yeah. this, this scene that you have an issue with, it's like, it, it amounts yeah. to nothing, like, just like everything else in this film doesn't really amount to anything. To be fair, like, this is the scene that I brought up at the end of my rant, right? Like, it's definitely the one that I almost forgot about bringing up. Um, but I do dislike it as much as all the other, like, time... Like, this one is, like, at least it's interesting because people talk about it. The other one is just waste time and do nowhere. So I hate that more. Look, in my, in my opinion, this scene that doesn't actually bother me at all. And this is coming from a person who does Wing Chun that's been a big fan of Bruce yeah, Lee. Yeah, you actually like him more. Yeah, I do I'm, like I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's, like, one of my favorite I, martial artists of all time. Full disclosure... I like Jet Li films way more. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found Jet Li, Bruce Lee, Jet Li like, films are probably better stories, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're for sure. Like Bruce Lee just like whips everyone for two hours, right? Like it, they're not good movies. Oh, he gets idea. pretty beat up in a lot of his movies. No, he don't. What are you talking about? Like Game of Death, maybe, but he seems very in control the entire time. <laughs> he seems very in control in most most situations for sure. But he, it, like, he doesn't. He doesn't go through every single film like as if he's gonna be annihilating yeah, everybody. Fist, Fist of Fury, like the one where he's like it's the the, the ice people thing, like the uh, people in the blocks of ice. You know that one, Fist of Fury. Like 
I don't know if it's a fury. He's yeah. in the jungle. He's in the jungle, and there's like the people doing like drug deals. Like I don't in think that that's movie. Pretty sure. Fist of Fury is the one where he's he's in Japan at the end. No, you're talking about you're talking about the uh, something something Express or something. No, What's like you, he, Hong Kong Connection. You're talking about Hong Kong Connection, aren't you? Nah, nah. Fist of Fury is legend. Fist of Fury, he loses his um his master. Um, I swear you're talking about Hong Kong Connection. No. You're trying to question me on Bruce Lee stuff? No way. I am. <laughs> I feel very confident about this. Nah. He fights. He fights uh, all those uh, karate dudes. Oh god, you are right. Then what Dude, am I thinking of? Come on, man, get out of here. Wait, what is Hong Kong <laughs> Connection then? I'm gonna look this up. Okay, I'm waiting everyone's time. Anyway, cool. Anyway, that, my my rant is done. Thank you. Yeah. So like this, that Bruce Lee scene didn't bother me at all. I didn't really care. Like like the way he portrays that, or wh- whether it's like the way Hollywood sees it, it didn't bother me at all. It's like whatever. Because <laughs> like the movie, if the movie had credibility in its storytelling then I might have cared, you know? But up until the point that we see the Bruce Lee scene, it's like the movie's already not a very good film in terms of storytelling. Dude, the Bruce Lee scene is like, man, I feel this is weird. I was going to say like very early on, but it could be 40 minutes in. It's like but one it's hour. It's <laughs> early on. Nah, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's, it's closer towards the middle. And This was one of the, actually, last thing I will say about this movie, this was one of the few films where... Um, like I got about halfway through and I went to get something to drink or something. I was like, holy shit, I'm halfway through. Like it was a shocking realization for me. <laughs> it's a long movie. The two hours. No, but it's like, it's like nothing happened in half an hour. And, okay. Yeah. Also pacing. Let's talk about pacing. <laughs> You're spending the first 70 minutes of the film with nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Then there's a time skip. And then a lot happens in about 15 minutes. And it's just gratuitous violence. Mm-hmm. Like, it is not... There's no depth to it. And even then, right, the gratuitous violence actually ends very quickly. Like, very yeah. quickly. It, it, there's, there's no catharsis because there's no, there's no risk. Like, it, it's sold for laughs. Mm-hmm. It's sold for memes, really. For hype. Yeah. It's, um, it's, we always talk... Like, we've spoken about how Tarantino can be pretty abrupt with the way he does his gratuitous action scenes and gory scenes whatever this is the most abrupt scene that just does has no place in the movie at all <laughs> like the, yeah. the movie I mean, is pretty the movie is pretty like safe and sailing and cruising you know on kind of like cruise control sunday draw, drive afternoon kind of thing you know and then all of a sudden it just ramps up to a thousand with that crazy scene at the end and then it just goes straight back to zero. Straight back and to zero. Like, yeah. yeah. Like you've got like just awkward Rick Dalton talking to Jay Sebring and being like, oh, oh hey, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm Rick Dalton. Mm. And like, it's kind of nice. Like, oh yeah, he's friends with them now and his career's going to go back to normal because he's got like really powerful friends again. But like, it just like, slow, like it slows right yeah. back. All the characters are just like so wasted. Like all the characters mean nothing. Margot Robbie's character, like you said before, it's just boring just does what nothing saying what did she say like you know what's actually she, crazy by the time she was meant to die i was cool with it <laughs> you know what I mean? like, character? yeah what, what have you learned about her she's she, she's hot she cheats on her boyfriend hmm. um she cares about herself so that she wants to watch a movie that she is in and and be happy um and then she dances what's weird though is that i thought she was literally lying about her being in the movie and she just wanted to go inside the movie for free 
Yeah, and what was up with that scene? I like, don't that's know. It was so understand. <laughs> like, like she's in the movie, right? No one understands who she is. Are we supposed to like look down on her? It's like, it's like, is 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 it the fact that like, oh yeah, no one understands who she is, but she's so she thinks she's so famous because she's in this movie. But like, she is in this movie, and I think she was kind of famous. Mm. Uh, like, why is Quentin going out of his way to like shit on her? I don't get it. Like, I think because there's I, no reason for him to do that. I honestly think it's just it, it's supposed to be like an indictment. I think on Hollywood. And the way Hollywood treats its actors uh, back in the 60s, the way filmmaking was in Hollywood. I think that's what it, like, because that was the thing I was thinking about when the film finished. I was like, what was he trying to tell us? I think he was trying to tell us that it's an indictment to Hollywood and the way they treat actors. Like, like Hollywood is, like, throwing away Rick, throwing away Cliff. Yeah, throwing away, like, very Uh, valuable, famous actors for no real good reason. But because they're just useless after a while. I think that's probably what he's trying to say. (laughs) And and maybe that makes sense about like Bruce Lee. Maybe Hollywood was treating Bruce Lee like that at some stage. I don't know. It might be worthwhile to look up some kind of documentary on how Bruce Lee was treated in Hollywood. Because that's the thing. That's what I find kind of strange, right? Like, is it a love letter to the seventies, or is it like I don't think it's a diamond? I think it's a diamond. (laughs) How can it be the diamond? That's what he grew up with. He loves it. Like this movie is just like this movie is nothing. No, I think he's showing us a side to Hollywood that people don't know that he doesn't like. And he's trying to give us a dissertation on, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. Like, because cause there's, cause you're right. So like, he loves, he loves filmmaking. He doesn't love Hollywood. I don't think he's... I don't think he loves Hollywood at all. Right. Okay. Like, I, I've seen him in interviews, like, talk shit about executives. <laughs> Executive producers. He's used all the same actors all the time. He does, yeah. He, I would never do to you what they did to Rick Dalton. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, he's, I, I think he is a, um, like, he's true to his word in the way he behaves in all his films and the way he makes his films. And I think that's why a lot of producers don't like him. A lot of directors don't like him. Maybe not directors, but I, th- I would say more producers, executive producers and studio heads. Because he's got a lot of control. He's in, he's, yeah, he's in control every step of the way. And the only studios that take him on board and give him funding are the ones that know that he can kill it in the film the way that he does it, the style that he does it. Um, Doesn't he always work with the same person? Like, it's always Weinstein, right, for him? Except for this one. Mm, I can't remember. Like, I don't think he's ever shopped for another producing, pr- production 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 company? company, yeah. Universal? It's always Universal. I thought it was always the Weinstein company. I always see it. And I'm always like, ah! Well, the Weinstein company is one of the producers, but the... But the main studio is usually Universal, right? Okay, yeah. Um, I would love but to yeah, read the more about it. Like, I don't know yeah. if it's a love letter or a thing because like it's just so much imagery of like nineteen seventies Hollywood, and I'm like, is this meant to be portrayed in a good or bad light? And I, like, it's kind of upsetting to me that I can't even tell mm. if he's like liking something or not. And that's for sure. That's definitely something I'd agree with. That is that it's not entirely clear that he. Whether he likes it or not, but I don't if know I, the plot is half the time. But sorry, if, yeah. I, if, if I go by accounts of like the way he talks about Hollywood in interviews, he really doesn't like the way Hollywood behaves. <laughs> but he loves, yeah, film from that era. Well, That's he just loves like, film. Yeah, he loves film from kind of any era. But like his his favorite pastime is. But that's what he grew up with, right? He grew up for the, yeah with the sixties and seventies, but his favorite pastime in filmmaking is actually like the thirties and forties. Every single opening of his film is a homage to the thirties and the forties. You reckon, like, they weren't, like, and I actually don't know the answer to this, like, they weren't doing those kind of openings all the way up to the 70s? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's like title cards and cast members, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that that stuck around for a while. Yeah. 
but it's it's just the quality of it is what I'm talking about. That's why yeah. in every single film that he does, it's always that same kind of quality of universal. Um, what do you call it? Universal opening title. Nice. All right. Well, I mean, long rant, but that was kind of my thoughts. <laughs> well, I think it's time. Are you ready? Oh, do we have sound effects? I don't know. Things doesn't oh, work sh- anymore. Definitely doesn't work anymore. It's, yeah, I just did it. I pushed it. I did, the, I did the deep push. I thought we were going to use that. The deep push. Um, let's get into the plot. <laughs> yeah, my man. All right. All right. So we we start right in 1969, Los Angeles. Rick, Gold, Rick Dalton, the former star of the 1950s Western television series Bounty Law, finds his career faltering due to ongoing alcoholism issues. Dalton laments to Cliff Booth, his best friend, stunt double, that his career is over. Booth, a war veteran who lives a derelict trailer, who lives in a derelict trailer, I should say, next to a drive-in van. Uh, next to a drive-in van news. I don't know what that means. They're nice. I think that's a place in nice. uh, LA. Okay. It's like an area. All right. Thanks for correction. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Attempts to bolster Dalton, uh, Dalton's self-confidence. Meanwhile, actress Sharon Tate and her husband, Roman Polanski, have just moved into the home next door to Dalton's. Dalton's hopes, uh, Dalton hopes to befriend the couple and use Polanski to restore his leading man's status. What do you think of this opening? Boring. <laughs> okay. One thing I do like about this film is uh, Leo and Brad Pitt's like camaraderie. They're, mm. Like they're a fun couple of guys that hang out with each other, and talk to each other. Their chemistry is believable. Like, their chemistry is believable, and like how they react and and how they interact with each other. Like the fact that like it kind of feels like Dalton constantly has these sort of thoughts of self worth, and and like um, Brad Pitt is always trying to get him out of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're enjoyable to watch together. I kind of find it funny that, like, he's like, oh, man, I'm going to be friends with Polanski, and he just never does anything about it. <laughs> Maybe that's, like, a case of, like, his character in general. And Polanski is, like, hardy in this film as well. He's in the movie for, like, maybe a minute total. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. this scene, the bar scene, right? Like, it's it's the bar scene where he gets in, and then... And then there's, like, a scene where he just, like... Like, there's this white, crazy scene where, like, he just sort of, like, goes to the backyard, sits down, throws a ball to a dog, and then it ends. Like, what? Like, what are we watching <laughs> then? Like, it's 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 actually the uh, impression that we get of the rest. It sets the tone for the rest of the film. The rest of the film is just a bunch of, like I said, like, I, th- I think it's vlogging is the best way to, to describe this, right? It's just yeah. someone with a camcorder just vlogging people in Hollywood. And it just feels like, yeah, people go about their day. Yeah. Um, oh, one thing I should probably know. I, I, like, weirdly enough, like the dog food scenes were pretty enticing, right? Did you? <laughs> it's the ASMR stuff, right? Yeah. It's totally ASMR. Like, oh, the dog's actually one of the coolest characters in the film. <laughs> the dog's great. Yeah, I do love the dog. I'll, I'll appreciate that. What a loyal dog, too. Super loyal. That's a pit, that's a not a pit bull. It's a it's a it is a pit bull, right? French French. Yeah, I don't know much about dogs. It's a big mean one, but also yeah. very nice. Mm. What's weird about like saying this plot here is I don't think we're going to have much to say about this type of stuff because when we do plot, right, we are 
pulling apart where the story is going to take us, like where these characters could possibly go to, how do these characters make certain decisions. And But because this movie feels just like a vlog, it's hard to, it's hard to like have any kind of commentary around this, this plot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we might get something, but we might get something. I think we'll be, be- we'll be better off with the speed. Okay. We'll see how we go. <laughs> During a day off, Booth picks up a young hitchhiker in Dalton's car, driving her home to Spahn Ranch. She insists that he stays and meets Charles Manson, but Booth is suspicious of the large number of hippies squatting on the property, as he as he once worked on the lot with George Spahn. Is this Spahn? How do they how do they say his name? George George Spahn Spahn George Spahn Yeah Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch. Yeah, there we go. That sounds about right. He insists on seeing the now blind Spawn despite the woman's objections. Spawn dismisses Booth's suspicion that he is being taken advantage of and asks him to leave. Returning to his car, Booth uh, Booth discovers that one of the front tires has been popped off by a knife. He heavily beats uh, Steve Grogan, the young man responsible. He has a name. We don't know his name in the movie, but we know what his that name. Is, that is. Why did he even have a name? We <laughs> got fucking last names. <laughs> With the last, might as well put the middle name there. The young man responsible enforces him to change the tire. One of the women goes to fetch text Watson <laughs> to handle Again, the situation. Watson has names, like, why? <laughs> to handle the situation. But Booth is already driving away by the time Watson arrives. All right. So we've jumped to the ranch already. <laughs> Was there nice. anything else that we wanted to cut, like uh, mention before we jump to the rest? There is that scene where, like, we've missed out on, um, what's his face, Leo getting landing the the role on the new film. Um, no, 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 he he already has it. Like, we he oh we, right, he already Leo, has the role. Yeah, he's like already retu- learning lines. He's learning like, lines. Rich but, but there is that scene that happens before this, right? The scene where he's interacting with the young girl, and I actually want to talk a little bit about that young girl. No, now. that's in the next paragraph. I've re- I've read ahead. Oh, that literally is in the next paragraph. Why do yeah. I think that that scene was before? Because this movie makes you lose track of time. <laughs> <laughs> this movie makes me feel like I'm but in a multiverse. Uh, okay, let's talk about this ranch scene. Yeah, I think this scene is. It's good as like a creepy scene. Right. Like he builds up a lot of like You do get tension. creepy vibes. I got creepy vibes. I thought like these guys are weird. I thought something was gonna happen. Nothing happened. And the thing that kinda gets me is that I don't even know if these guys are evil, right? Like Spawn has like this essentially he's got a girlfriend who sleeps with him and he seems quite happy with her and and Who's Dakota Fanning, by the way? Oh was it? Yeah. The Redhead. She's redhead. Yeah, I guess she's she's like strawberry blonde. When well, she gets referred to as redhead. When yeah, like, when they were saying redhead, I was like, she doesn't look orange, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe strawberry blonde. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I just found like, okay, are they evil or not? Because they seem to treat this guy okay, and they're not taking advantage of him. So, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing is like, um. <sighs> Maybe it's got something to do with me having knowing a little bit about the Manson family, but yeah. I would probably even say, even if you didn't know anything about the Manson family, and that's why I'm interested to hear what you had to um, say about this and how did you feel about it, was that the whole thing is like uber creepy, like under your skin, under your fingernails, creepy. The way that all the all the chicks behave in this is just odd, like. 
not characteristics you would expect from females, I guess. I don't know what it's like to be around hippies that are like slightly psychotic. So maybe yeah, they all, right? Yeah, maybe they like, all like it, are like this. But um, it was it was super creepy. I think like his the tone that he was setting in this and the impression that he's supposed to get. I thought he nailed it. Um, the only thing that's disappointing is that there isn't anything that really happens after that. It's like there's no violence that takes place. On, I, I mean, other than um, uh, Brad Pitt like violently bashing the other dude, but there isn't violence on like the hippies' behalf and the Manson family. Behalf. I was expecting like one of the girls to like lure him into somewhere, like get a drink yeah. or something and maybe poison him. Or like, I was expecting something crazy like that to gradually build up, but this was all just talk. <laughs> That's what I didn't like. It felt like. I felt like the creepy vibes and I felt that Brad Pitt was like, like a superhero. Like he just didn't care about any of it. Yeah. Right. Like you've got like that main girl, like hanging off him, right? Like she's just like hugging him. And he's already, like, turned her down once because she's too young. And he just doesn't give a shit. Mm. And then she's, like, hugging and kissing her older female friend. And he's just like, yep, yeah, I'm too cool for this. Mm. And then he goes in, too cool, goes inside. Like, he's just not scared of anything. Nothing affects him. Gets to the end, beats the shit out of the one of them, and then drives away. Like, he is the reason why it's not as creepy as it could be. Because yeah, he just because is so calm and cool. He doesn't have a sense of danger, and so it doesn't actually... It doesn't perpetuate any sense of danger for the viewer or anything like that. So it is disappointing in that sense. But and and so maybe maybe it does um, have more of an impact from me because I know what the Manson family are capable of, <laughs> and mm. I know what they do. And so that build of suspense it wasn't paid off. It's just it kind of just went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, like when everyone was like watching him and what he was doing, I was like really interested in um like that, that scene was really really creepy but he doesn't care he goes in he comes out it's just her like mm. and then they're just like boo go away and i'm like oh okay well they're just people <laughs> like, that was kind of <laughs> it, I was, but i actually found that a little bit creepy where they were like yelling at him on the side as he's walking i, I found that a little bit creepy <laughs> oh really i when yeah. they started yelling like i kind of wanted like a I don't even know what's the what's the term. Like you know, there's like little little kids like staring creepily. Like that was way more creepy than like people just being outright upset with you. Because if mm. they're just outright upset with you, they're doing the action that they're happy to do, which is at this point stand on the side and yell. And there's <laughs> there's nothing fearful about that. I think, like, I think yeah, it's I am going. going. I think Sorry, it's, I think it's just the whole Manson thing that I'm like, oh man, these these people are creepy because I know I know what they they end up being in real life <laughs> right okay yeah but but like the manson family movie that i saw uh, there wasn't that many people maybe he did i know he did have a ranch i and i don't know how many members of that ranch. maybe that is an accurate depiction but like the family itself like the i don't know the immediate daughters or whatever of charles manson that he adopted um i think there's about eight of them or something like that six mm. six seven eight something like that um but yeah, kind of a weird scene. That's the thing that really got me with Brad Pitt. Like, I just didn't really understand anything about this guy. Like, he's a guy, and let's just talk about it now, I guess. Like, he's potentially murdered his wife, right? Which but we still like, don't know. <laughs> we don't know, but in the show, like, in the in the, in the the uh, flashback, she's kind of a bitch. So, like, you're meant to be like, okay, cool. 
um, he's friends with. Is this Rick. supposed to be a justification, or is this supposed to give us an opportunity to justify that he? Could I don't know, <laughs> but like, why is the scene there? Like, this is like one of the many questions, right? Like, why do you have a scene where he's there? with a harpoon gun and he's getting yelled at by his wife in a way that can only be seen as like unjustified because you have no other context mm. like what am i supposed to feel sorry for him you know what i mean like i just i don't know he's like a, a war vet who is c- too cool for anything i don't know why he's like even looking at that young girl three times mm. you know what i mean like when when she walks past him the first time he's just staring at her i'm like oh he's a creep then when she propositions him he's like no i don't want to like None of I don't understand his motivations. Like, why is he even driving her? Like, why does he care? Maybe he's also supposed to be an archetype of Hollywood actors too. You know, because we hear about all these stories of Hollywood actors being creeps and stuff, and a lot of them get um, suspected for like sexual assault. And maybe he's supposed to be that, but Tarantino doesn't fully commit to that character. Yeah, but like, given the opportunity, he says no. So am I mm. supposed to like respect? So, him more? so maybe like, he's like, supposed to be like an odd one out of the Hollywood people. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, but the more questions yeah. we ask about these types of things, like the more we're not going to get those answers because this movie just doesn't amount to anything, like we said. That's the thing. Like, yeah, he, he's, on, he's on screen a lot, but I, just, I don't know what his traits are. I don't know what his motivations are, like other than just be a mate to Rick. And like Rick doesn't treat him that well, and he's just like cool with it. Like I just don't mm. – he just seems like above everything. I, I think odd. Rick treats him with respect more than anyone else in the movie though that's true that's true like rick is actually like a bro to him which like, is which is more of a way of saying rick's just an asshole <laughs> he's just really? he, rick's an asshole? He, i think rick yeah i, I think him. rick Sorry, is rick it. dalton is is a bit of a douchebag um like he, he's not a very nice person but he has a charming side to him where he can be nice and and i think i feel like he, he's nice to brad pitt though yeah, that, well, that's my point. Is that like Brad? Because you were saying that like he treats Brad Pitt like like shit. It's like I think he actually no, treats. No, no, no. Yeah, sorry. Didn't you oh, say I'll that? Clarify <laughs> that statement. I don't think he treats him badly in like the sense that um, he treats him in a, in a way that is not good for what you expect. I feel like just Rick is poor, and so Rick can't give him a good job and he doesn't really like he can't provide for him the way that i think he used to oh you're talking about that type of treatment yeah i'm thinking more like like cliff's life is bad i don't think it's rick dalton's fault but um his life is is bad and he just seems unbothered by it Hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean like he seems unbothered by anything so that that was the point i was making i don't think rick is a bad friend to to cliff no he's not he's not <clears throat> and um but but i do think that rick dalton is a bit of a douchebag and he probably is the kind of portrayal that tarantino wants him to be for that yeah. era you know that type of actor um but there's there's a very gentle side to him there's a very broken gentle side to him and that's all clarified when he's having that scene with that little girl that super mature super smart yeah. eight-year-old you know and I would um, say that is my favorite scene in the film yeah it's, it's kind of the coolest character development that we have in the whole scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Which makes it even worse when it amounts to nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because he doesn't really make any decisions beyond that after that. Like, he, he, he's still kind of the same. <laughs> even by yeah. the time we get to the end, he's still the same character. <laughs> we can maybe talk about this in, in this... Like, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to talk about it now. Screw it. Like, he has this scene where he, like, acts amazingly, and you think he's going to turn this corner, and then off-camera, he accepts his demise from Hollywood. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why? Why go through all that? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of weird. 
Um, let's let's move on to the next part of the plot here. Eh? Having become a day player on several TV series, Dalton, playing black-hatted villain on a new series called Lancer, gets into a philosophical chat about acting with his eight-year-old method actress co-star that same evening after watching his performance as a guest star on an episode of FBI. Casting agent Marvin Schwartz offers Dalton the opportunity to shoot a spaghetti western in Rome. The prospect fills Dalton with despair. He thinks spaghetti westerns are the bottom rung of the entertainment totem pole. Um, Dalton takes both uh, to six-month shoot in Rome, making several films while eventually marrying a young Italian actress, Francesca Capucci. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, there's a lot in that paragraph. There's a lot. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about this um, philosophical chat? I wouldn't really call it a philosophical chat, but let's let's go with that. I think it could be, but yeah, what do you think? A philosophical chat. Um I thought the young actress, ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, but it kind of is ironic. She was a great actress. <laughs> I mean, she's not yeah. an actress, but she's, she's an actor, right? Um, and they try I mean, to. She goes out of her way to say that. She goes out of her way. Yeah, and this, is the, whole, this mean, is the whole thing. Though. What does that even mean? Like, actresses in a real world, like, like word. Like, what, 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 she doesn't actually delve into that. Well, I don't know if you know much about that term, actress. But um, oh, actress was just a term that they try to apply exclusively for females. But an actor is the same way as saying you're a barista. There's no differential between a male and a female. Well, uh, what's the negative connotation having gendered terms for that role? I don't know. I don't know if uh, you can make up a, a, a negative connotation, I, I suppose. But you have to see well, it the same way. It, so there must be some sort of Yeah, because she, she wanted to get away from like that idea of being called an actress she just wanted to be called an actor <laughs> that's the thing that kind of annoyed me too a little bit like she goes out of her way to say that but then doesn't again, explain it like no gender but this, this is a, in the movie no yeah i know i, I don't know if it like, seems like a throwaway line that's what i'm trying to say yeah because because i think anyway, at the sorry. time they tried to they tried to like i don't know there must have been a whole movement around like you know actresses need to be like female actors need to be seen in Lama, so we should create an exclusive term. It's something to do with that. Because I remember like talking to a friend back in Wellington who's an actor, female. <laughs> I remember mentioning to her, I was like, oh, um, who are some of your favorite actresses? And she was, and she deliberately said to me, she's like, I'm an actor, not an actress. I'm an actor. Oh, so she's mad about it. Can you ask her? I'm interested in this. Yeah, this was like years <laughs> ago. <laughs> like, I remember that time I pissed you off. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, she, she wasn't. She wasn't angry. She was just trying to make a very strong point. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, like, I don't know the history behind it, so I'm, I'm just coming into. But I guess, dumb, but like, yeah. I, I, I guess the way of seeing it is is you try, like using the same example of a barista, right? We don't we don't use a different term for a female. Like a barista is either male or female. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, I just, I've always assumed that like it's just kind of the way English is. Like some terms are gendered and some aren't, and I don't know if there's much rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, I I'm, I truly think that actor wasn't a term that was gendered until there was like this whole movement uh, thing. Maybe some kind of like political movement that was happening with Hollywood at the time during the sixties. Interesting. But anyway, yeah, so I like anyway, this conversation. Yeah, Go yeah, on. this conversation. I, I thought she was she was really really good. She's Got a lot of skill. I'm kind of wondering why isn't she in more films? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> can't remember her name, but she's she's That's got she's got the kind of she's got the kind of talent 
that so many child actors actors <laughs> now i'm trying to say actors child actors just always fail you know we always talk about how child actors are pretty bad a lot of the time like the performances See, are I, horrible i don't know if that's true anymore right like i feel like it's gotten to a point now where people are acting at like 10 like, yeah i think child actors these people? days in the 21st yeah. century are much better for sure so like stranger things is good right i haven't seen it but who Stranger Things. Like it's all kids oh, the first yeah, season. that's right, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess that'd have to be good. I mean, it's pretty successful by the sounds of it, right? Well, no, I mean, like, Home Alone, I don't think he was that good, but, like, it's still a good movie. <laughs> I thought he was good. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I can't judge children actors. Some of these lines are not great. Come on. Yeah, I don't know if I'd blame... I don't know if I'd put it down to him not being a good actor. I think... Macaulay Culkin's really good. I don't really think we have any evidence that he's a good actor, by the way. Who? Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin? Culkin? Yeah, what's he done? I don't know, Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Home Alone's great, though, man. I, I think he's great. It's a like, good movie, but like, I think he's, he's carried by the Wet Bandits. Nah. I think everyone would probably disagree with you. I think everyone would say that Macaulay Culkin is the, the hero of that movie. As in the best part of it, as in the best actor in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Over like a Joe Pesci. Yeah, not over Joe Pesci. I mean, Joe Pesci's just a great actor, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, but like, if you if you say carried by the bandits, I think if you if you ask anybody who was the who's like the key person and the best person, yeah, in the he's home. the protagonist. I get that. Like, don't get me wrong, but I'm just trying. To I don't think that. anybody's going to be like, yeah, I think Joe Pesci's the best actor. <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting, we're making this longer than it has yeah. to be. Anyway, yeah, the say you're like, yeah, she's she's good. And I, I think the dialogue that they have, it, it pulls the character a little bit. It, it pulls a it, lot. It pulls, like, Leo's character apart to the point of seeing his vulnerability, which is kind of cool. But then we're always just left with that same problem that we've had for this entire movie and all the characters is that it doesn't lead anywhere. Like, he doesn't change the way he does his, his career. He doesn't, he doesn't make any monumental decisions that change his outlook on the career you know yeah one thing i really liked like i loved this whole uh subplot of the movie like this is probably what, like, if i'm going to give this movie any positive score it's purely off this set of scenes like um and it, it, it's kind of interesting right like he's talking to this girl and he's like talking about this book and it's about this character and he's definitely seeing himself in that character and so he starts crying and and like it is a powerful moment but it's kind of hurt by the fact that the entire movie, that's been his entire arc. Like, this is his personality and his current struggle, and he just struggles with it the entire time. Mm. So, like, this is just sort of, like, adding on to that existing turmoil that he's feeling, and it's just, like, just another layer into that. You know, it's, like, it's touching. At this point, though, by the way, I was getting seriously upset about all the wheezing and coughing and and spitting that, that Leo does. Like, <laughs> he's doing it the most here. He's like, oh, he's like coughing up a lung. And I get it. He's meant to be like this guy who smoked his whole life and drank his whole life. Mm. But like, there's a certain, po- oh no, it's good acting, I guess. You know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you're just trying to find nitpicks now because you're just over having to talk about this but movie now. <laughs> one thing I did love was like him acting and he's doing such a good job. And then he like, can't remember his lines and he's like so disappointed in himself and then he has that next scene where he just like 
acts the pants off everybody. Like he just does such an incredible job. When and he I puts the, really... when he puts that eight year old on his lap, yeah, that whole scene. Yeah. Like, he's great in that. Like that's mm. that. Like I kind of walked away from this whole movie thinking I would have just loved to have seen a movie about Rick Dalton like slowly winning everyone over with this like sort of BoJack Horseman type storyline where like this guy who was never seen as more than a, a sitcom cowboy guy but he's actually got acting chops mm. and then he eventually like does some sort of magnum opus and then does well like yeah. that biopic i would have enjoyed watching mm. uh, it's maybe not even that much though to be fair but it would have definitely been more interesting than what we ended up with but it sounds like you're describing a movie yeah right with a plot and a character that changes <laughs> <laughs> It's not what we're reviewing, man. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's just like I did enjoy those that that scene in particular. That's probably my favorite scene in this entire thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure what your thoughts were? I don't know if it's my favorite scene. I, I do definitely like it. I mean, by the time we get to the end of the, this recap, I think I'd probably say that it's probably the best scene, well, one of the best scenes, just in terms of this substance, this story. There's, there's, um, I was going to say extraction. That's not the word. There's uh, development. Inception. There's inception. There's development. You know, there's, there is something exciting to build from and to build to, but doesn't build to anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, so it's, it's hard to kind of like, like know what is my favorite scene. Because that's the thing. Like, that as a tipping off point to a much larger plot would have been incredible. But that being like... Oh man, and the little girl is like, that's the best acting I've ever seen. I was like, wow, I really felt that. And then he just goes to Italy and 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 has like a like an off screen change in lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally yeah. off screen. And that's when the this is the at this part of the movie, we get a narration from Kurt yeah. Russell. It's like is it Kurt Russell. It's Kurt Russell, yeah. Well, I mean oh, yeah. I, I I didn't check, but it but it sounded it wasn't Quentin. It sounded, I waited and I was like, it's not Quentin. It sounded pretty pretty convincingly that it was Kurt Russell. I did I, I didn't check, but it sounded like Kurt Russell to me. <clears throat> but um yeah, like he just ends up narrating with the rest of the film. It, it almost feels like Tarantino was like, Oh, I can't be stuffed. Let's just get a narration. <laughs> yeah, the next the, the idea that you have a time skip in a movie that's two hours and four minutes. <laughs> that's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a bad sign. And it's not even a montage; it's literally a time skip. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, hey, and then he went over to Italy and made a bunch of movies and did really, really well. Like, why does he need like seven movies? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, he goes over there with, like six movies. Oh, we did get kind of a montage. There was a couple of clips, right? Like, you see a clip yeah. with um, Booth, like uh, being the stunt double, in oh, yeah, in a uh, car, in a car, like, like going over the bridge. That's Booth. Like he pointed at Booth, which is the same kind of graphic that he uses in Inglourious Bastards. Um and I also nearly as well. Just not nearly as well, yeah. Sorry. I did I did pick up some little Easter eggs which was kinda cool too. Is that one of the Italian directors, I don't know if you put oh, Ma- Antonio Margarete. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I like that. I, I put that as well. I was like, hey Antonio Margarete. That was like the only part I got excited about. <laughs> yeah. I was actually like, oh is that the same guy? Is that the same guy? I just yeah, went to the lawyer, but it was same cool. guy from Inglourious Bastards. I want to see a film where he's directing a film, <laughs> and it's played by the same Margarita. actor. Yeah, Antonio Margarete. Oh, it's Eli Roth. Yeah, that's right. Who plays that'll that character? Fun. And Eli Roth is a director. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, right. Okay, let's move on to the next part. 
after returning to uh, Los Angeles. Act three. Act three, I, I guess, yeah. Um, after returning to Los Angeles, Dalton informs Booth that he can no longer afford his services, and they agree to to go their separate ways. They go out to get a drink together one last time, later returning to Dalton's home to drink. Booth smokes an acid-laced cigarette and he uh, that he bought on the street six months ago. Later that night, Dalton confronts Watson along with Susan Aikens, Linda Kasab- Kasabian? Kasabian, Kasabian, and Patricia Krenwinkel, who have parked outside his home uh, and are prepared to kill Tate and her friends. Oh, we've actually skipped past the Bruce Lee scene. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it. Uh, yeah, we talked about <laughs> it at some point. Yeah, anyway. Uh, okay, okay. there's a lot of names here. Um, Jay Seabrig. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that, that's Chesney's name. Watchetch. Watchetch. Watchetch Frakowski? Frakowski and yeah. Abigail Folger. They drive off only to come back with a new plan of killing Dalton, as he was the star of the TV series in which he killed people. Um, Atkins points out that most series portray murder, that it was television that has taught her to kill, and that it is time to get revenge on Hollywood. Wait, I want to quickly like talk about the scene between the Manson family members. Sure. I thought it was kind of hilarious. There's, there's. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it was there was a lace of comedy in amongst the characters. That kind of yeah. clumsy character, uh, or like they're, they're like marking out over like, oh, that was Rick. Yeah, yeah, like behaving like real humans. Which is this is where Tarantino is good, right? Tarantino is great at doing these kind of very human moments in, yeah. in films, and he does that so well with the Manson family scene here where they're, where they're like freaking out a little bit like oh my god that's rick dalton and they start like kind of uh it's almost like nerding out a little bit because they're big fans yeah. of rick dalton and the character that he played and then even these little moments where they go to walk off um and then one of the one of the one of the daughters says oh i actually forgot my blah blah, blah um in the car and yeah. then and then she goes to walk off and, like, and then he, <laughs> she is it him or her? She yeah, says he, he does that. He's, it's text. Yeah, it's text. He, he says, "Oh, take take the key because I've locked the, co- I've, I've, the car. I've, I've locked the car, the so key. you need the key." See, these kind of like clumsy characterizations are great. They're fun. Like, that really is, that fun. was a fun moment, I think. What do you think about like the girl's monologue in the car, where she's like, "You oh, know, they've taught us to kill, and we should kill them," and she's like being quite psychotic. She's great. She's a really good actor. I remember her from. Scream. She's really? in the reboot or the requel Scream, which, by the way, you should see. I know you're not going to watch it because there's too much blood in it, but um, yeah. it's a very good movie, man. We gave that I nine out of blood in this, by the way. <laughs> oh no way! <laughs> it's like it's like ten seconds, man. <laughs> Bro, I, like I couldn't even tell you because I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but she she's she's in the Scream film. And the screen movie is great, man. We gave it that nine out of ten. Could have reached ten out of ten. It was that good. It's very good storytelling. Like it's not a horror. Yeah. It's more like a thriller. Is it really? Yeah, it's not really horror. Horror is more like Jeepers Creepers, The Conjuring, The Nun. That's horror. <laughs> and Scream is a uh, thriller. It's, a, a, it's, it's like it's, it's a slash. It's like it's got its own subgenre. It's called a slasher film. Like, like a Mike Myers movie is like a slasher, right? Mm, yeah, Mike Myers slasher, yeah. Freddy Krueger, Jason Goes to Hell, 
all those those are like slasher films yeah oh wait okay. no jason goes what am i talking no sorry I'm talking about um uh i know what you did last summer that's a slasher film i feel, I feel like they're very firmly like a subgenre of horror yeah subgenre of horror yeah for sure so it's still in the horror umbrella yeah but it's not horror it's like lowercase horror <laughs> <laughs> anyway i thought she was great like her monologue is, is very convincing it does give you yeah. that kind of psychotic um where we're such a culty family and we're going to do cult things together it reminds you of that kind of mentality i didn't get like this thing that also got me because again i don't know the manson family that well but like they just felt like randoms like he's like you know charlie told us to go to terry's old house and kill everyone inside mm. and then he, she, they're just like um no 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 this guy gave us the shit so we're gonna do something else now you know what i mean like yeah which i think the the true story is they go to terry's house and ki- like they kill a bunch of people in hollywood i actually can't remember no i, I think this one's definitely like the i know enough to say that like they go into that house and kill those four people right i think into that particular house with rick dalton in that not Rick Dalton. No, oh. no, no. I think the I think going to Rick Dalton's house is the difference. Like that's yep. the, the that's key. the made up part of the yeah, story. yeah, yeah. Because but like, it's like that's what made me like not understand. Like I, I, they go like they're these hippies that just hang out and and then they don't actually hurt George. They're fine to George. Mm. They're here to kill Sharon Tate because of like um, some massive plan from from Charles Manson. But then at the first obstacle, they changed their entire plan. Mm. So like. I just don't really get a well-run cult vibe. I get a bunch of kids doing random stuff vibe. And so then when they die, very easily, I might add, I don't care. I, th- I think <laughs> I think the culty vibe is more just the fact that they are a cult. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're still so. kids that just want to get revenge from what happened on the ranch. They um, made up. The, no, but they don't even know about. Um, oh, Brad yeah, Pitt's they don't even know about Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they, they don't, like... They don't say anything that suggests that they recognize who he is. It's just like, that they're, the they're antsy and pissed off at Rick Dalton the way they treated them, and they just yeah. want to kill them for like that they reason. They make up a whole rationale, like in the car. Yeah. <sighs> Which I guess is a good rationale, good reasoning for like psychotic serial killing hippies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she did say, I've been thinking about this for a while. So it wasn't like made up, made up. She's mm. just been waiting for a good time to present it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, as someone who doesn't know much about the family, they weren't presented in a particularly uh, dangerous way, is, is mm. what I'm trying to say. I was actually just, like, that's true. But I was really disappointed that we didn't get to see Charles Manson much. We see him once. <laughs> well, you know, it's actually, you know what I mean? Like, like, okay, going back to the Bruce Lee thing. Like, you're going out of your way to make Bruce Lee seem like an uh, ego loser. You don't show Charles Manson. And maybe that was like, the point because Hollywood didn't know who the hell Charles Manson was. Like, they didn't know how, how much of a messed up dude he was. <laughs> but, like, if you're going to give someone the Hitler treatment, because like, that's, what, that's what Bruce Lee gets, right? He gets the Hitler treatment. Like, let's, mm. be, let's be real here, mm. right? Like, they're both just portrayed as, like, sort of dumb guys. I think Charles Manson could have, like, if, if Charles Manson was presented the way Bruce Lee is in this film like like they show some things of him just being like kind of like a dumb guy who's like no like barely holding it together just like oh we're just gonna do some stuff everyone would have been into that because he's like a reviled person in history yeah but again it's like what i was saying to you before i did think like hollywood i understood that and i think the whole point of this movie is to look at it through the ignorant <laughs> lens of hollywood 
Yeah. I yeah, okay. Look, if that's true, that's true. Like, I can't, I can't deny that. But then again, like, is it a love letter to Hollywood because you're trying to be so... No, I don't think like, it is. True? I think there's enough evidence to probably to say that Great. it's not a love letter to Hollywood. I think it's an indictment and it's a... Because cause it wouldn't make any sense that he would he would go out of his way to not but focus on showing, Charles Manson. But why are you showing, like, Rick Dalton as such a sympathetic character and, and Cliff Booth? Like, like these two guys, like, these two old white men of, of Hollywood are, like... This, this why do you have to mention white? <laughs> yeah, it's all white men. <laughs> Yeah, but the skin color. Right yeah, but the skin color is like irrelevant. I feel like you wanted to make a political statement about it. <laughs> oh, I wasn't about to. I can. Uh, I feel like white men have too much. No, I don't know. But like, yeah, like they're very sympathetic. You know what I mean? Like these are characters who. But I think that was his point. I think it was his point is that to have like, to have these characters stand out in amongst the shit that was happening in Hollywood because like there were sort of like. I guess struggling people. If if it's word for word truth, if this is the truth of what Hollywood was going through, then that's the story that he tells us in Holly- in this in this but, movie. Are we trying to say that like they're like Hollywood the machine is terrible, mm. and Hollywood the machine hates Bruce, mm. and Hollywood the machine doesn't have room for a guy like Rick Dalton who is actually a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And we're meant to love Rick Dalton the actor and, and Cliff Booth the the stunt man because they're the little guys that make the whole thing work yep uh, okay yeah there's something there i think you explained anyway. the movie <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and 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 hollywood and hollywood was too too up their own asses to even detect someone as crazy as charles manson and then when we look up the events that he did after the fact it's like shit Okay, Charles Manson was this. And Charles Manson wasn't even in Hollywood. Like he was just a guy that was like sweet talking people in Hollywood. <laughs> is he actually? I don't know anything about him. So he's actually related to Hollywood. I thought he just killed people. He, he just killed people. And then he killed famous people at once. He, at one time, he killed people in Hollywood, and I think he but managed exclusively to, Hollywood people. No, no, no. He killed a lot of people. It wasn't just him. It was like all his daughters <laughs> that killed yeah. killed people. But um, he just had this like crazy cult of a family that he brainwashed into thinking that all these people are evil and Hollywood was a big part of that that evil outlook. Which was yeah, it's kinda it's, it's kinda crazy. And so and Hollywood didn't even know anything about this until like years later <laughs> when they were taken to trial. They were in trial for like years as well. Or in probation. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. You know you said last time like a good film will make you want to learn about the backstory. This doesn't make you this want to learn. This is not that movie. Like, this is not that movie. I don't know much about it, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay you to just move know. on without knowing much about the Manson family. Yeah. There's enough crazy people out there to learn about that. It's probably a little bit more interesting than the Manson family. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so jumping back so, to... Right, like, upon entering the house... Uh, like, upon entering the house, Watson confronts yeah. Booth, who is high on acid. Both recognizes the trio from the ranch, making them nervous. In the ensuing fight, Booth and his pit bull manage to kill Crinkle, uh, Crin, Crin, Crinwinkle, and Watson whilst se- severely injuring Atkins, who stumbles outside into the pool. She alarms Dalton, who had been floating there, listening to music in his headphones, unaware of the commotion inside. He climbs out of the pool and retrieves a flamethrower he'd kept from a previous film shoot, burning her to death. 
Booth is taken into the hospital for his non-lethal injuries, while Dalton strikes up a conversation with Seabrig next door and is invited up to Tate's house for drinks. End of the movie. End of the movie. <laughs> you know, uh, the, what do you... the vi- this violence scene actually was pretty funny. Um, the Just like the dog being the hero... <laughs> And the superstar of the scene was pretty funny. Um, I enjoyed that. Super over the top. I always wonder, how did they do stuff like that? How did Tarantino pull off a dog going ballistic on what looks like a real human being? <laughs> it's like, See, they said at the end, the animals were harmed. Yeah, but... I know, I know. <laughs> but the animal would have had to be definitely biting onto something. I just wonder how they would have done it. It could have been like... A real stunt person just in padding, I guess. Yeah, that probably would have worked out. But was, yeah. I don't know. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, how, cool. how gruesome was the? You know when he's like smashing. I guess is that is that Dakota Fanning your thing? Like is that or is that a different? No, person? Dakota Fanning's not seen anywhere after this. After her first. Okay, scene. so the red, the the other, the other redhead. redhead right? yeah. yeah, he's like you know just smashing her face into like hard edges. Yep. <laughs> I didn't want to On watch the top it. of the fireplace. That was brutal, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I, was, I had my hands across my face. Oh, super brutal. Like, Blood everywhere. And... I don't like corners. I don't like faces and corners coming together. Oh. Do you remember that scene? I don't know if you've seen it, seen that scene or even seen the movie, American History X. Yeah. Oh, you know the yeah. one I'm talking about, eh? I ha- I've seen <laughs> that. I hate that. Have you seen that scene in, in, in uh, it's not, it's not nearly as gruesome. In The Sopranos, the same thing more or less happens. Oh, uh, oh yeah, w- uh, with the guy that hits on his daughter. No, it doesn't hit on his daughter, but like says some shit about his daughter. Oh, maybe. like says something about his about him, right? To his no, about his daughter, about his daughter. Like, like he says like a, a a joke about her, but like sexualizes her. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then she calls then, like, the dad, Mister Soprano, yeah. whatever his name is. Tony. Tony. <laughs> oh, Tony uh, Soprano. That. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, calls he calls him and then there, takes him out on the curb, right? Kicks it. Like, he just, like, yeah, he just, he, he curb stomps him, like, on the side of a wall. And then, like, he checks his pant later and there's, like, there's a tooth in his cuff. It's, just, oh. it's, it's a great scene. I've never seen Sopranos, but I hear it's quite good. <clears throat> oh, so you've seen that, but you haven't seen the show? Yeah, I've, I see, I've seen that clip, like, Maybe on Instagram Reels or something, you know, like where I follow a lot yeah. of movie pages and they like to do clips of all sorts of things, movies, TV series. And I think I saw I that. I've noticed Reels now, man. Like it's like, it's Sopranos, then it's like Boardwalk Empire, then it's like Peaky Blinders, then it's Game of Thrones. Mm. It just does these like cycles of, of, of clips, just cool clips and like Breaking Bad is a lot of that. Mm. I, I get caught up in that, man. I, I hate myself for it. Do but anyway, you, Do you sorry. get caught up in the legit cool Reels? Do we... On ins- you don't have them on on uh no I don't I don't never see them. <laughs> There's heaps of reels. No, but like they, they never show up in the algorithm. Uh, you got to put them in the algorithm. Got to hit up Zuckerberg for that. <coughs> yeah. All right. So, the, so- the, the is like over the top. I thought it was a bit short. I thought it didn't really like. I didn't do a lot for me because it was so short and so easy. Yeah, and it was know. unnecessary. It definitely was unnecessary. It didn't have a place in the. But movie. it was like the most entertaining part. Oh, I, I know. Like the, but what does that tell you about the story? <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's like, I'm not saying like you should cut it because if you cut it, you walk away with nothing, right? Well, we still like, walk away with nothing, even with it. <laughs> that's true, but like, because like, like I know what he's trying to do. Like to me, this is the trilogy of I'm going to hilariously change history, mm-hmm. like Django, Inglorious, and this, right? Oh, like true. that's like I feel like this trilogy, 
And so he had to have this theme. But, it's just but this doesn't even not- change much in history either, though. Because, yeah, the, the, because the Charles... Get murdered. No, but Charles Manson is still alive. Yeah, like, that's the thing, man. Like, it's just three randos. Like, I don't know how high up the, the ladder text is. Mm. Uh, I don't know how powerful... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. It's just... Yeah, like, none of it seems to matter. There's no stakes. I don't know who Charles is. I don't know how big a deal he is. I don't, like, you do, because you've seen this documentary, right? But I don't, I don't know how big a deal this is. And so there's no catharsis for me. There's no, like, introspection. I'm just like, when Hitler dies, I know who Hitler is, right? Mm. When... Leo in um, Django dies, he, well, not just him, like everyone, right? But you, like the entire, like these are made up characters. They're given history in the film. Hmm. In this one, Tex is just a random guy that gives tours on horseback rides. So like, who is this guy? <laughs> All right. So just to round off this interview, this interview, this review and recap, I want to quickly yeah. go through because this is the last Tarantino movie that we had to review, recap. Oh, so no. I want to finish off. The Legacy Series for Tarantino with the top 10 Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, top 10 according to Rotten Tomatoes and see if we kind of agree with this. How can there be 10? Well, I don't know why there's 10. Not on this time, number 10. Um, Grindhouse presents Death Proof at 67%. Now, we rated that pretty low. We rated yeah. that, what is it, 5, 4 out of 10, maybe, I think. I reckon I accept... Uh, you know, we, we could do one of those things. You know how, like, we get a movie, we, we, we place it in our respective list? Okay, okay. I'm going to do this now. Let's do this. How do I do this in a... Uh, you can drag... A uh, or a table. I'll do a table. To a table, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, number 10, 67% from Death Proof. Um, All right, so for 10, right? I'm going to give it... Let's wait. Wait, well, how come this isn't working? How do I make another line here? Why is this so shit? <laughs> you have to add the table. Add numbers. row below. Yeah. Oh, man. There's no. Oh, wait. No, it's it's option down. There we go. Sweet. We're doing this in real time, folks. That's why you can't see it, yeah. but you can hear it. Yeah, it's happening. I'm setting this up. All oh, right. and the headings. All right. I'm going to do Tony. I'm going to do River. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. So 10. I actually have, I think, Grindhouse at 10. I'm the same. Yeah. Right now, it's definitely at 10. Easy. Uh, number nine, Rotten Tomato score of 75%, The Hateful Eight. <sighs> ah, I wouldn't put number nine, Hateful Eight. I would put Hateful Eight at... Uh, can, can I just tell you what my number nine is? <laughs> no. You, we have to do it in that uh, Instagram real kind of way, right? That's going to be hard because I'm going yeah, yeah. to shuffle it. You can't shuffle. We can't shuffle. We're going to have to be real smart that's with gonna this. Be, that's going to be difficult. Okay, so Hateful Eight is going to be at seven. Really? Okay. I don't know. It's going to be... I need to actually... This is, this, is, this, is this is what gives it stakes. Okay. All right. I am going to have Hateful Eight actually... At eight. <laughs> no, I think it's... It could be... I'm thinking of. <laughs> Did you just throw a six? Six. Yeah. It's high up. I mean, one up than mine, I guess. That's actually surprisingly high, yeah. <laughs> You're going to regret that, aren't you? I think so. All right, so at number eight, we have Kill Bill Volume 2 at 84% Rotten Tomatoes. 
I wouldn't put it at eight, number eight. I would put Kill Bill Volume Two at five. Really? Okay. Uh, Kill, Kill. I'm trying to look at my number one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, you have to think about it, right? Yeah, um, I think I think I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I, I think, think I know if, that. If he plays there, you got Kill Bill Two there. I don't know what you're planning. I think I think I've figured out my strategy. All right, I actually got Kill Bill Two there as well. <gasps> in number two. Number five, number five. Copycat. All right. Um, at number seven, we have 85% Run Tomatoes, Kill Bill Volume 1. I'll put Ooh. Volume 1 at number eight. Yes. <laughs> that, I think I know what you're doing, and I'm, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Why are you copying me, man? I am. No, well, you're going first every time. So uh, That's fair. So it'd be copying nonetheless. <laughs> um, okay. At number six, Rotten Tomatoes, eighty-five percent. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I would put that at number I'm six. Sure. Number six. Really? All right. Yeah. Shit. You've got that number six. Fine. Okay. I've got that at number nine. Fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I think I messed mine up. I think I was supposed to put Hateful Eight. I, I don't know above. anything that could go into nine I was that would to, make sense. I was supposed to put Hateful Eight above Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. That's a bad list now. <laughs> well, you got to move on. we got to move, move on. on. got to move on. At number five for Run Tomatoes, 88%, Jackie Brown. I'm putting that shit in number nine. <laughs> really? All right, all right, all right. See, this is con... Uh, contentious, I think. Jackie it Brown is. is loved by the by the industry. Yeah, loved by the. I don't love it. I love it. See, I put a lot of thought into my list. I'm really happy with my list. How it's turned out. Damn it! I think I'd put Jackie Brown above Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though. <laughs> yeah, like Once Upon a Time at six above Hateful Eight is genuinely surprising. I made a mistake there. It was supposed to be Hateful Eight number six. Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> Uh, number four, Django Unchained. I would put that at number four as well. Okay, I am in trouble here. I, I this is actually going to be really, really <laughs> tough because I know. Fuck, oh, this is tough. I didn't put any thought into the, the top of this list. Yeah, well, that was the hardest part, right? Is actually thinking about where we put the most important ones. All right. And number like number one, two, and three is kind of clear for me. Is it? Yeah. I know what your number one is. Mm. You know, the indie part of me wants to put Reservoir Dogs at one, but I actually don't think it's the best, and I can't actually Just go say with that. your instincts, man. It's up to you. It's your your list. Look what I'm doing. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be there. Oh, but it's so slow in the middle. Oh, come on. You're overthinking it. We've already spent hours reviewing <laughs> and recapping <laughs> the challenges. The listeners are just like, come on and finish this episode and give us a rating already. Uh, you know what? They, they, they have to... Because if it's not this... Wait, where, where are you moving this? Up to the top? Uh... Okay. You know what? Yeah, I've got to put something down. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. Screw it. Screw it. Django, where are you it. putting it? It's number one, baby. <laughs> Loser. 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, number three in Glorious Bastards, 89%. That is number one for me. Thank you very much. Yeah. Best film. Easy for you. I will place that. This is actually really weird, right? I did not expect to be doing this. Hey, you came up with it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't expect to be doing this. I'm surprised by that as well. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm genuinely surprised. Good on you. Good on you. You're a man of uh, good credibility. <laughs> My listeners are great. <laughs> Number two, Rotten Tomatoes, 90%. We have Reservoir Dogs. I'm putting Reservoir Dogs at number two. This is surprising. I am oh. also putting... <laughs> oh, yeah, you can change it. You can change it for now. No, nah, I'm good. Yeah, number two. How come you don't have a number four or a three? What? How come you're behind? No, we're choosing different spots. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I thought there was four slots. Never mind. Um, yeah. And uh, number one for Rotten Tomatoes, 92% Pulp Fiction. And it's the number and three for me. That num- number three. Number three for me. That was, a, me, that, that was a tough one for me, honestly. But, like, between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, they could either be number two for sure. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I had a really hard time because like the, the, the indie guy in me really wants to put Reservoir Dogs higher. Mm. Um, and I s- didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no elaborate answer. And I didn't. <laughs> yeah. You should have done it. Because like, have... I, I still remember, and it's on record, you know, it's on Spotify. It's on, it's, it's on the internet for the whole world to know that you said that Reservoir Dogs... What's the best? It's my favorite one. Favorite it's my one? favorite one. Like in history, it was my favorite one. But like, I can't. And that was the one I was trying to fight with in in my heart. Like between Django and Reservoir, mm. and somehow Inglorious Bastards actually beat Reservoir anyway. Because right? <laughs> kind of Inglorious Bastards is such a good movie, man. It's it is like a really good movie, and I just I knew that if I picked Reservoir Dogs as number one, I would just be trying to appeal to the hipster in me like i don't actually enjoy it the most yeah uh yeah i would agree with that too i think i think reservoir is a very good movie but i think it's also it's lacking the excitement joy and catharsis that movies like *Ghost bastards and yeah. like uh even pulp fiction probably has a more exciting ending <laughs> than reservoir but i would say this like i think i think Dogs is like a very good film. It's dealing with some really interesting points. Like it's so cheap, and you kind of go, "Wow, he did it with such a low budget." Um, but it's not yeah. fun, and it's not fun. Yeah, it misses that fun element. In my day and age, like at, at my age, I actually do tend to gravitate towards dumb, fun things more often. Mm. So, like my list when I was like nineteen would be a very different list. Oh, yeah. Like, you would be Reservoir Dogs up top with, like, Pulp Fiction number two and... But I think that applies to, like, any movie list, right? Like, I'm pretty sure people like to do a updated MCU list. They do that, like, every year or after every single phase, they update it and they might make some slight changes in their upper echelon films of, like, top ten, top five, whatever. Um, And I would probably do the same with the MCU as well. Um, But uh, I'm... Is your number one still Winter Soldier? Because... No, because number number it. one is Endgame, and number two is Winter Soldier. Right. Yeah, oh, we would have a very different list. Mm. But I think, but I, I think in terms of a better, oh, it's hard. Almost like you could say objectively, Winter Soldier is a better story, maybe than than Endgame. But 
I, oh no, I never suggested that. No, but like <laughs> I, 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 I can see a world where that could be a thing. The it, the tough thing is that Endgame is just not a film that you can analyze, critique in the same way that any other film exists, is because it's a response or the ending of a larger cinematic universe of the Infinity Saga. So it yeah. it ticks off all these crazy payoffs that would never exist in in in, in that film if none of those films had come before it. They don't have to set up the payoff. They just finish it. They just finish it. Like they, it's just a teed up like it's 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 like joke. it's so perfect in the sense that it's almost like they planned this movie back when Iron Man started, but they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's how fair, good those think- payoffs were. I think Infinity War is better. Like, like top three for me. I think a lot of people would say that. I think a lot of people would say that Infinity yeah, War is a better okay. movie than Endgame. Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. I think like, to me, Endgame is just like it's just pure payoffs. Endgame is like, just great. pure payoffs and emotions. Like there is, there is no other film that is able to put grown men in a theater sobbing on their knees, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know why Infinity War didn't have that. Because Infinity War was dark as shit, dude. <laughs> But what, what what sobbing if not dark? That wasn't really a crying thing. That was more of a shock to the soul. That was so good. Though. That it was, was very so good, good, man. Like I remember, I still remember my my experience in the theater, man. Both both sittings, that very very vivid experiences. Both in, in, in game yeah. and Infinity War are amazing. I didn't watch it in the move the cinemas. I really wish I did. Like oh, I'm a big Marvel fan, but crazy. I, I will admit that that was a very good film. It was very, very good. But before we go on a MCU tangent, we should probably bring it to an end, right? <laughs> we should bring yes. the tangent oh, to the end. What do you rate this? We oh, <laughs> <laughs> rate this movie. Oh man! I mean, now that we've we've got a clear sighting of where it's sitting, and I still want to take my number six spot away from Once Upon a Time <laughs> <laughs> in Hollywood. It's better that we didn't like this. I feel. Um, you know those like Instagram reels where they're like, oh, yeah. "I'm gonna put it here because I think I'm gonna get someone better later." I think yeah. I haven't seen it. We knew about. what was in the list. Um, I'm still gonna take it back in my mind though. I don't care what you say, <laughs> <laughs> but I will put this on Instagram reels though. I will. I'll be true to this. Oh yeah, nice. I will be true to this. Um, I'm gonna give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> four out of ten. <laughs> Four out of ten. Which, Wait, which bugs me, You man. normally do it. Which but I'm going to do it now because I'm, I'm here. Okay. You give it a four. I, okay, so we gave. Wait, you were giving it a seven out of ten? No, 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 oh. no. no, no. <laughs> that, that, you, this, this is default. Oh, this sorry, is default. My bad, my bad. Go ahead. Uh, we gave Kill Bill 1 a four, right? And we gave uh, Grindhouse a four as well. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't have said Grindhouse. I said Death Proof. Death Proof is more yeah. accurate. Um. Yeah. Okay. It's a four. I, I, it's <laughs> it, I was going to give it a three. I was tossing up between a three or a four. I don't think it's entirely a three because I, I think um Brad Pitt and Leo do most of the heavy lifting. I think they're quite good in this, even though their characters don't go anywhere. But, um, but like, so Death Proof, right? Let's let's just compare this to Death Proof. Death Proof has that really meandering first half, and then it has like this light colorful uh second half where the kurt russell like dies more or less right now this movie uh once upon a time in in hollywood is like the meandering first half of of death proof but for two-thirds 
Yeah. So it's, like, it's more of the part we hate. It's kind of the same. With yeah. good acting. Yeah, with good acting, yeah. And that's that's really all the points go to. All four points kind of go to the just, just good acting and some a glimpse into really good characterization and development with um, the Leo and eight-year-old girl. That's about it. You know, you're right. There is, like, as much as I think, like, this movie has much more meandering slowness, it's got much more things that don't make any sense, at the same time, there is nothing in Death Proof that is as good as Leo acting in the cowboy scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Four. <laughs> Four out of ten, folks. That is the end of the Quentin Tarantino Legacy series. What next? What director do we do Until next? Until the critic comes out. Oh yeah, until yeah, but it's the legacy series until further notice. Yeah, that's that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we're doing directors that are already dead, I guess. But um, the who's next on our hit list for a director? See, I don't know. I don't know. Man. Are there any like sort of? No, no you're trying to get me to do a school, school thing. <laughs> I'm not doing the thing. I don't know you want to do that. Let's do uh Spielberg. Who's the guy that did Training Day? Let's do that guy. The guy Antoine Fuqua is his name. Far out. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, he's got Shooter. Um, Shooter's a great movie, actually. Tears of the Sun. Oh, Equalizer 1, 2, and 3, Equalizer Training one, Day. Yeah. No, he, he only did Equalizer the first one and maybe the second. I don't think he did the third one. Or did he? According to a random Google. No, because like... A, but he might not be a director. Yeah, he might just have worked that's what I'm it. saying. I think he's got like producer credits. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I know that he definitely did the first <clears> Equalizer. And the first Equalizer is great. Because, like, Scorsese's got, like, just so much of that, like, time. Like, you know me. My, I, th- I, I think, with I, think by, I think by the time we get to the end of Scorsese films, you're going to, like, probably like him least oh. <laughs> after doing it. <laughs> because he, cause just knowing you, I think there'll be so many films you just won't like. He's so self-indulgent, though. Like, he just takes Yeah, but, like, he, he he's, what, what I give him credit for is that he's a very diverse uh, director very similar to Scors- uh, to Spielberg. Spielberg is a v- super diverse director, and I, I would, you know, I, I would, um, I would support and back anybody's opinion on saying that Spielberg is the greatest director that ever lived. I, I'd, I'd give them credit for it. Like, I, I'd totally show that respect. I don't agree with it, but I'll totally show that respect. But I can understand why Spielberg has got vastly different films. Man, how do you get? How do you make Armistad, right? Mm. And then make ET, like. Those are like you. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think that's the same director. <laughs> like even the scripting, the tonal shifts, the characters that he builds, they are so different. You would never think that that was the same director, right? So right. Spielberg is vastly skilled in the area of just so making you different. You care films. about that's kind of an interesting thing, though, right? Like you're, you're saying that you care about versatility. Well, um, no, just just in that respect of people loving that director as putting as number one, absolutely. I, I respect versatility in, in direction, but in terms of like favorite director of all time, it's not Spielberg. But I can understand why people would put him on a pedestal because he is so damn sk- like he's got so much talent in filmmaking. It's incredible what he does. But with someone like Scorsese, he's similar to Spielberg in that sense. Like he's Scorsese has made tremendous movies like um goodfellas i don't know if everybody loves that but <laughs> i love goodfellas yeah. man yeah see goodfellas and is great I, I would say that goodfellas is like one of the greatest gangster movies of all time do you consider oh man i think you've just ruined this for me like, do you consider goodfellas a biopic uh no 
I can. No, no, we're not going to get into it. This episode's too long. (laughs) We're going to get into this episode too long. Where where does it start and end? Where does it start and end? No, we'll have to save that for the Martin Scorsese um, legacy series. Okay. Um, It's a biopic. (laughs) (laughs) We're not starting this now. This episode's way too long. But, um,. But yeah, like he, he's he's a great director in that respect. He can he can traverse across different genres and and really kind of hide behind the cloak of like this is a Scorsese film. Was like you can't really identify a Scorsese film all the time, apart from good direction for most of the part. But he's got this like really shit film under his belt, and he's got quite a few of them. And I'll name one called Silent. That movie was boring as shit. It's four hours. Silent. Long. Yeah, <laughs> it was boring as shit. It's like four hours long, and you will hate it. I guarantee you will hate it. <laughs> Oh, wait, silence. I think I, you know what's actually crazy? Yeah. So I was working in. That's a biopic, by the way. <laughs> when this came out. What? No. And oh, wait, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for Hoyts, yeah. Yeah, and I remember this came out and I was like, oh, I want to watch this because I had like 50 cent tickets at the time. Oh, yeah. And I didn't. And I'm really happy. I'm glad you didn't. Well, uh, yeah, you might have to now that we do the legacy series of Scorsese. No, no, no. <laughs> I ain't touching touch this guy. The fact that you said four hours. Like, nah. <laughs> the only movie that can pass for four hours that's entertaining and passable is Lord of the Rings Standard Edition. <laughs> I thought you were, you were a big fan of the uh, the cut. Well, what's that? The, oh, that yeah. The cut? cut. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I watched that over the weekend because we're reviewing that this week. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So what, what, what's next? What's next on the, the So next line? up on the list, we have the Zack Snyder Justice League review and recap that we're recording in a couple of days. Have some special guests coming on the show for that as well, which is pretty exciting. Do you want to share the guests, or you got to keep them special? Uh, keep them special. It, like yeah, nice. we're like ninety nine percent confirmed, so they need to confirm that one percent. So let's let's keep it a surprise. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we have Man of Steel coming up. We have Wonka coming up as well. Oh, why are you watching Wonka? Why? <laughs> you love Wonka? Well, it's a movie to review. It's it's part of the. The, the thing of being a podcast. <laughs> oh, so you actually sometimes watch things you don't want to watch? Because, like, I, I, I don't well, know. No, it's like, not like I don't want to watch it. I mean, I like Timothy Chalamet, and um, I, just, I, just feel like- I, I do like the two Wonka films that exist, you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory and uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from Gene Wilder. Those are Was that a good. different... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Like the, the, the Johnny Depp one, right? No, the Johnny Depp one is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, what's the Gene... I thought the Gene Wilder one is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, that's called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) No, wait. Are you sure? Oh, you and your questioning again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You were wrong about the Bruce Lee thing, man. You're going to be wrong about this as well. Oh, by the way, the one (laughs) I was talking about was the Big Boss. Yeah, I know the Big Boss. God damn it, you're right. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) That's the best one, right? Mm, I prefer Johnny Depp's one, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, okay. I gotta watch. Uh, actually, no, I don't. I don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I'm gonna watch. It. I don't care. And like, is it this? Like, this is a prequel, right? This is a prequel. This is like, like him becoming Wonka. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, okay, whatever. Uh, the, anyway. the director is the guy that did Paddington, and if you haven't seen Paddington, that's a very good movie. Pad- I saw Paddington too. Yeah, did you like it? I loved it, dude. Watch the first one. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I gotta go back. I, I actually watched it on a plane. Dude, the, Padding, like, the like, Paddington, number one, number two, great movies. Probably one of the best, like, animated kids' films out there in the 21st century. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, actually, that checks out. Yeah, he directed Wonka. So that's the biggest reason why I'm gonna go see Wonka. <laughs> so you think it's gonna be, like, a fun sort of weird I think I think he's kind of, he's got the eye for it. 
he's got the eye for yeah, that yeah. type of uh, genre, and I think he'll kill it. And I've seen some of the reviews already, and people are saying it's a great movie. Wow, okay, cool. Mm. Anyway, awesome. but more to come. But uh, thank you, listener, for hanging in there, listening to us banter how about... Long, how long do we do? Like, this, is this is like probably close to three hours, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nah, no, it's two hours. It's like two hours. Like the Shit. Yeah, it's about two hours. I didn't expect to spend this long on such a bad film. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> to be fair, we spoke a lot about other stuff. Other than the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, man, Tarantino, there we go. Thank you to the... Quentin Tarantino himself hopefully you're listening to this or maybe one day that you listen to this maybe not I don't know I don't know if you feel offended about like our ratings but this is how we feel about it and we're going to be true to how we feel about it because this is the whole point of the Legit Cool Podcast yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode um, and we'll see you again sometime around Tony yeah for sure I'll be back there we go brings the power season 2 people are that <laughs> Which was that? Oh god! Are, are we actually? Are we? Do you actually want to do that? Well, we kind of have to commit, what? man. We got season one around. If bat. we do that, and you're like, I know you're, nowadays you're doing like one episode for the entire show. Mm-hmm. I can commit to that. We could do that. I yeah, that. maybe we change it. We're doing like an hour and a half for every episode. Like, we had a lot to say. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the viewing statistics. I don't reckon that was very good. <laughs> the listening statistics. I can't imagine that was very good. Uh, I think the statistics are pretty high. I'll share them with you. For that one? Well, for Rings I... of Power, yeah. I think so. No, no, for our podcast, though. Yeah. We're talking about... That like, is genuinely surprising. Like, Spotify statistics? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like, who would have listened to a two-hour podcast about a one-hour show? I like, can tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you, and then I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. All right, I'm interested in hearing this. All right. See you guys later. Cool. Um, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you all. Bye-bye.